cancer represents the leading cause of mortality worldwide. When it comes to cancer medicines, there is a multitude of types available, such as small molecules, therapeutic proteins and peptides, antibody drug conjugates and cell engine therapies. If we consider the elaborate behavior of tumors and how complex their genetic and biochemical pathways are, fighting them requires a powerful therapy that can target cancer cells at both genetic and cellular levels. One such powerful tool is CAR T-cells, which refers to T-cells endowed with a chimeric antigen receptor, also known as CAR. These white blood cells have been engineered to contain CARs, synthetic receptors that help them recognize and eliminate harmful cells, such as cancer cells, that express a specific target antigen. Since the first FDA approval in 2017, CAR T-cell therapies have generated considerable enthusiasm in the oncology community. And currently, there are six commercially approved CAR T-cell-based therapies, and their number is expected to grow. CAR T-cells have proven to have an unprecedented effect. The outcomes that we see for patients who have no other options, patients for whom you know chemo, radiation, standard care is no longer viable. These patients are now seeing absolutely astounding outcomes with patients going 10 years out from CAR-T infusion and still in remission. That is Tamara Laskowski, Lonza Senior Director of Clinical Development in Personalized Medicine. She's here with me today to discuss the therapeutic potentials of CAR-T therapy and what is needed for their successful manufacture. In the second part of today's episode, we connect with Aya Jakobowicz from Adiset Bio about her take on the CAR-T cell trends and their future. I'm Martina Hesteritseva, and this is A View On, a podcast brought to you by Lonza. Hi, Tamara. Thank you so much for joining us today on this podcast. Absolutely. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Before we start discussing the ins and outs of CAR T cells and therapies and how they are manufactured, could you define for our listeners what is a CAR T cell in the first place? CAR T cells are essentially T cells of the body, the same T cells that people are familiar with, the T cells that fight your infections, your cold viruses, and things of that nature. Only in this instance, these T-cells are engineered. They carry a brand new molecule called a chimeric antigen receptor, or CAR for short. And it's designed to redirect the specificity of these killer cells so that they can become more apt at targeting disease cells, such as cancer cells, for example. Um, So what the CAR does in and of itself, it is a receptor that's designed to have two main functions. One is the ability to find the target. So it's got a portion of it on the outside of the cell, on the surface of the cell that serves as a detector. And the second function is the ability to activate the T cell once it engages that target. So the CAR receptor has to accomplish two things. It has to lead the cell to the tumor through this detector and then activate the T cell against it once it engages that target. In some instances, researchers have also integrated novel genetic modifications along with CAR to make CAR T cells even more potent, more persistent, so that they can fight the tumor for a longer time in the patient. Bionic T cells, that sounds really exciting. (laughs) Yeah, it's a little like that. (laughs) (laughs) If we are to take a step back, though, 
and focus on the manufacturing of CAR T cell therapies. What technologies are needed to manufacture these therapies and how can you ensure that these cells remain viable even after all the procedure? I assume you take the cells from a patient, but what happens next? It is a lot of an elaborate process. You're absolutely right. Unlike other classes of drugs that we're very accustomed to, for instance, small molecule-based drugs or even antibody drugs, uh, those entities can be produced. They have one given function. Um, and essentially, so long as you get a process that's pretty robust, you get a product. Cell therapy is very different. It's different in that these are living drugs. And what does that mean to be a living drug? It means that that drug is designed one way, it's manufactured, it's tested, and then it goes into the patient. And we know what it has the capability to do, but it may change as it encounters other cells in the patient body as it enters into the tumor microenvironment. So there are two approaches. One, which is a lot less common these days, but has gained a lot of uh, momentum. So the first is the most common is autologous CAR T's. The patient is the source of T cells for the manufacture process. So the patient comes in, a sample is taken from the patient, now, these cells are going to go into the whole process of being engineered and expanded um, and then evaluated for ultimately being infused back into the patient from which they were taken. So it's sort of a closed loop. It's from self back to self. Allogeneic, on the other hand, uh, leverages an outside source, essentially a healthy donor material, and that becomes an off-the-shelf source, a source from which you manufacture, you build an inventory, and you cryopreserve that, and that can be administered to patients, to various patients, sort of as an off-the-shelf drug, just like if you would purchase a drug at, at, at the pharmacy, only this is in a hospital uh, setting, et cetera, and it's a much more complex drug. But back to the autologous, if we walk through that process, once the cells are um, um, essentially harvested from the patient, processed and put into a system, they're going to have to go into a culture period during which they're activated. Remember, these are cells that only respond when there's need. You do not have rapidly growing T cells in your body naturally. They only grow and proliferate and grow in numbers when they are needed. So you have to activate them in the lab. You activate them, then you genetically modify them. We typically use viral vectors to carry out these modifications. And again, it's leveraging the intrinsic biology of viral vectors. Viruses have an intrinsic capacity to deliver a payload. So essentially a virus that is a professional vehicle that brings something that it then transfers into a cell. Typically, that something is, is harmful to the cell. It, you know, it can be a disease-causing agent. Uh, but in the case of, uh, of gene therapy or cell therapy, we borrow that. We take uh, the viral particle and we repackage it in a way that now what it's delivering is the car and not anything harmful to the cell. So the virus comes in and touches that cell, engages, it delivers the car into the cell. Once the car is inside of the cell, it goes into the nucleus where it integrates the DNA of the cell. So now it's become part of the genetic makeup of this T cell. So you've created a CAR T cell, a cell that now has a completely different gene and can make a CAR protein, that protein that travels to the surface and is anchored on the surface as a receptor. So now that you've made CAR T cells, you've got to amplify their numbers so that we have sufficient cells to administer in terms of meaningful doses for clinical application and clinical trials for treatment of disease. Those doses may vary uh, significantly depending on the study, the patient population, 
um, and also the the drug itself, the CAR T cell itself. And those studies are pre-established and determined early on in the clinical in vivo phase, where the ability of these CAR T cells to, to be screened uh, for functionality is then determined. So once you've created that, you now have to expand these cells. Typically, in a preclinical lab when these therapies are being developed, this is done heavily through manual processes. Now, when you transition into um, clinical manufacturing, it's highly desirable to have automated platforms to grow these T cells in. And the reason for that is because an automated system can carry out the multiple um, activities that are required in this process without a human consistently intervening in the process and manipulating the cells. This is advantageous also because it reduces the chances that you will have contaminations from consistent opening and closing of vessels to manipulate the culture. So to that end, involving manufacturing platforms that are automated that allow for cell culture, for media exchanges, for feeding and growing these cells in a healthy way is a great approach to set up your your cell therapy pipeline for manufacturing CAR T cells. The reason why this is important is because you want these cells to do a great job, proliferate and grow once they're inside the patient, in the body. So it's important that you don't exhaust them early on. So all those considerations are really important. And we pay close attention to that. You have to activate them. You have to grow them. But you have to do this in a way that prevents early exhaustion of these cells. Thanks, Tamara. And I also enjoyed you explaining the difference between allogenic and autologous therapies. And for our listeners that would like to refresh their knowledge or revisit some of our older episodes, you can go to our third episode of this season, where we spoke about cell and gene therapies in general with Benham Ahmadi and Bagbajarani. Now, Tamara, I'd also like to get your view on the development of the field as a whole. So what we've seen in the last few years and even months are several approvals of CAR T cell-based therapies. What developments do you expect to see in the near future, say five to 10 years? It's just such an exciting time for the field of cell therapy. And you're absolutely right. We've seen now six different approvals, spanning two different large groups of diseases, but all really hematological uh, malignancies today. That has been sufficiently exciting to feel all these other discoveries and a lot more initiatives looking at how CAR-Ts can play a role in other disease settings and even disease studies beyond cancer. So looking directly in oncology where CAR-T cells have proven to have an unprecedented effect, the outcomes that we see for patients who have no other options, patients for whom you know chemo, radiation, standard care is, is no longer viable. These patients are now seeing absolutely astounding outcomes with patients going 10 years out from CAR-T infusion and still in remission. So in that space of immune oncology where there's such an unmet need for patients, we see CAR-Ts progressing quickly into solid tumors. Now, the initiatives are there. If you look and open up a summary of preclinical studies today, there are a number of those that are looking at treating solid malignancies. Now, those are much uh, very complex diseases. So how do you contend with that? How do you deal with this problem and address it? investigators and researchers are taking this knowledge back to the lab and refining their CAR-T strategies. Can we create new generations of CAR-Ts that are able to go into the solid tumor and overcome all these challenges that we did not have to overcome with hematological malignancies? So one such challenge, for instance, is oxygen. Oxygen is lower in concentration inside of a solid tumor mass. So dealing with that hypoxia 
uh, stayed in the in the tumor microenvironment is something that a lot of researchers are looking into. Your cells have to be able to go in there and survive and function well in a setting that doesn't have the oxygen levels they're accustomed to having. In addition to that, we also see uh, these enhanced products coming in with various edits. So uh, uh, the insertion of a CAR, the addition of a CAR to a T cell is considered to be a genetic edit. But likewise, you can um, add other edits, edits that make the cell more fit to survive in an, an environment where oxygen concentrations are going to be really low or much lower than what it's used to. Or you can shield that cell through edits against those inhibitory signals that are going to come from other cells in the tumor microenvironment that are, that are shutting down the immune response. You can create edits that can shield the T cell from the effect of these inhibitory um, activities by other cell types. So we see a lot of that. And through the advent of CRISPR types of uh, gene editing tools, these edits are becoming easier to make in, in the T cells. And so we see a lot of those initiatives coming in as well. Now, it remains to be shown whether these T cells are going to be robust when they go into the patient and how well we can manufacture a multi-edited product. And then lastly is looking at allogeneic sources of CAR T cells. We see a movement in that direction as well for various reasons. Autologous works beautifully in patients and in various patients, but there are still a number of patients for whom autologous CAR T is not an option. So what do we do for these patients who cannot provide T cells for manufacture? That's where the field has looked to add allogeneic sources. Can we take a healthy donor, modify that donor, make CAR T cells that can be administered into patients for whom autologous may not be an option? Additionally, there are concerns in terms of the long manufacturing process for CAR T cells. Today, one of our flagship products uh, on the market is Camraya, the first uh, uh, CAR T cell to be uh, created. And, and that product is still taking about 20 days or so to, to turn around and be infused in the patient. So for that cycle to be completed, you know, from self back to self, that's a long time. And for patients in whom disease is progressing so fast, 20, 30 days is a long time to wait for treatment. So the field is looking at allo sources. And lastly, it's also the cost and the reimbursement strategies to support uh, these treatments. There are payers or regulators, uh, all sorts of, of other channels that, that are involved in, in, in cell therapy and CAR T cell therapy, reimbursement strategies, and so forth. And in some instances, those might be prohibitive, depending on the, um, the structure that's in place for the patient, for the hospital that's working with that patient. So thinking of innovative ways to allow to reduce the cost of these therapies and make these therapies more accessible to patients is also another motivation that has driven the field to look at allo sources. Just recently, I think about a week ago, the first approval of an allocarty therapy was reported in Europe. And so we're beginning to make progress in that area as well, Martina. So we look to see more of these initiatives, perhaps crossing that finish line and, and getting approval for clinical use. Well, what you've been talking about, from my understanding, is that CAR T cell therapies can be targeting solid tumors directly, right? However, if we think about the surgery, when, when you treat a solid tumor and then remove it, it's quite problematic, right? Because cancer cells may be also left behind and these can often cause relapse. And it's interesting because just this morning I read a really, really great study published in Science Advances. It was published just at the beginning of this year. And researchers applied a gel containing CAR T cells after surgically removing tumors in mice with fantastic results. 
showing potential to suppress cancer remission. Mm-hmm. What's your take on this? I can see that the field is progressing fast. Uh, would you see this also as a future for treating humans? Yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I did see the press release for that paper, and it's, it's a really exciting way to leverage what we know these cells are capable of doing. When you look at the stories of Emily Whitehead, for instance, and other patients who are now 10 years from their CAR-T treatment and are still in remission, these patients are essentially cured from diseases that were untreatable at the time these patients were going through those. And CAR-Ts have been the differential. That's who has led these patients to a complete restoration of health. And so we see the potential in these cells. And the question is, can they persist? Can they stay long enough to continually eradicate the tumor as it tries to come back or the residual cells? And you're absolutely right that with the solid tumors, oftentimes surgery is part of the, the treatment um, options for the patient. And, in the, and there are very, very well-established systems for uh, removing tumors with sufficient margins to ensure that very little to no tumors left behind. But there are also instances in which the tumors, uh, the areas where the tumors are located, if you think of, for instance, glioblastoma or um, brain tumors, and I, and I believe that that study also had looked at, a, at some um, brain tumor models in mice. When you look at those tumors, the tissue where the tumor is, is your brain. That is a tissue that is highly specialized. You can't just resect and remove a tumor and surgically remove large portions of that tissue to ensure that nothing else is left behind. Because what you're removing is also the capability of someone to walk or to speak. You may be impacting their quality of life by removing normal tissue around the tumor. So those resections have to be very, very carefully planned and executed to preserve as much of the brain function and the individual's capabilities as possible. So the idea of now packing these CAR T cells into a gel that is left there for the purposes of really healing, right? The wound that that is left behind from surgery, but allowing the CAR Ts to remain there so they can scavenge uh, around for tumor and eliminate residual tumors is a really clever way uh, to leverage what we know CAR Ts can do. So I think that that it's absolutely a very interesting finding, and we hope to see uh, more in-depth studies looking into whether this is applicable to multiple different types of tumors and how that may play a role in, in human patients. Each day you open the literature, you see something new, and it's this collectively effort that's going to help us to tailor that next generation of therapies that's going to be better for patients. And it's also learning through this iterative process where we're treating patients, understanding what the CAR-Ts are doing in the patients, taking that knowledge back to the lab to refine these therapies even more, to make it so that they are better when they come out of the laboratories and enter into the clinic, that we have an even better product than we started with. And I think this is just one such example of innovative thinking that can really become part of what we're doing in the clinic in, in years to come. So exciting to see this, and, and it makes sense. It makes sense. We know T-cells can do this. Why not come up with ways to leverage that capability? And I think this is an example of that. What a way to finish the podcast, huh? Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. My pleasure. Thank you for having me on, uh, Martina. appreciate it. Now that we have seen how CAR T cell development and treatments are impacting the lives of patients from an insider perspective at Lonza, it's time to turn to someone who has pioneered CAR T cell development at various small biotech companies in recent years. For this, let's turn to Aya Jakobowicz, the founder, president, and CEO of Edisett Bio and the board member of Dorian Therapeutics. 
So, Aya, you were quite successful in developing autologous manufacturing at Kite Pharma and have now shifted into allogenic therapies with your company, Adisit Bio. Could you tell us why you have transitioned? Do you feel that the future of T-cell therapies is headed in the same allogenic direction? Working in the pioneering company Kite Pharma on the autologous T-cell therapy it provided a proof of concept that this modality, indeed, it's working and it can benefit patients in a really unparalleled way. However, the process of generating the autologous T-cell therapy, it's costly, it's time-consuming. It's time and the question was, can we make it simpler and more efficient if we can use the vehicle T-cells more on the allogeneic side? So you can derive the cells from a healthy donor where the cells are maybe better qualified with the large number of cells. But what about the administration? Do you have to perform the T-cell engineering step once you have a patient in the clinic? You can engineer them as you want and you can later really freeze it and have a cell bank with cells which are engineered to different targets for different indications and it can be readily available for patients whenever they are being really diagnosed and ready to be treated. The majority of cell therapy uses viral vectors to bring the therapeutic gene into the cell. As we've discussed with Tamara, we know that this is a costly and difficult process, but it has been proven the most efficient over time, right? So how do you see the future? I think that in the future, yes, People already are starting to generate non-viral methods to incorporate genes into the cell. I think that another improvement that you may be working out to make the viral engineering less costly, more accessible, and make it maybe more efficient, because it's likely that the two methods are going to be still applicable in the future. Aya, you started your career in monoclonal antibodies in the 1990s. And back then, the cost of a gram was around $50,000, which is a huge amount compared to roughly $40 today. And we can see that in such a relatively short period, the manufacturing industry has shown impressive progress. Do you expect the same progress in cell and gene therapy? So it's interesting that you brought up the monoclonal antibody because I started my career at a company called Cellgenesis. With the success of companies like Cellgenesis, later Abgenics, also Ket, other companies, people all of a sudden realize that the potential of the monoclonal antibodies, magic bullet, indeed materialize. And there was exponential growth an explosion of company in the antibody business and innovation on the manufacturing, like what you said, on, on targeting the antibodies. Yeah, that sounds like the progress was not continuous, but came in stages. I wonder what we will see once the knowledge gained from increased digitalization is put to use. So it does goes in phases. And sometimes it is really, for me, it's gratifying to be also like working in a pioneering work and really trying to push into innovation that leads antibodies, antibody drug conjugates, and now cell therapy. That's very inspiring, Gaia. Thank you for sharing this with us. Thanks for listening to A View on CAR-T Cell Therapies with Aya Jakobowicz from Adisat Bio and Lonza Stamara-Laskowski. 
I hope you enjoyed learning about this groundbreaking approach to cancer treatment that uses re-engineered immune cells to recognize and combat cancer cells. We will be back next month with another deep dive into the pharma manufacturing world. If you cannot wait, head over to lonza.com forward slash a dash view dash on to listen to our previous episodes, subscribe to never miss an episode and access additional materials and interviewee info. Bye for now.